Well, let's stand and we'll read from our text in Romans chapter number 12. Romans, the 12th chapter. And we'll begin reading in verse number 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That's a good thought for us to think about this morning ourselves. But to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and I'm going back this far, our, our focus is in verse number 10, but I'm going back this far to help us to remember that we're talking about uh, being you know, one body and the gifts that, that uh, God has given each of us that we are yet still members of one body. So um, hence the, the uh, reference to not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think. So, um, and all members have not the same office. So we being many, verse number five, are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Verse number nine, let love be without dissimulation, which that word really has to do with hypocrisy. It's not a fake. It's not showy. It's real. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. And then our text for this morning, verse number 10, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. So that's our thought for this morning. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Let's pray. Father, we ask as we come before you again that you would, uh, Father, indeed speak unto us, that you would, um, Father, open your word unto us, help us to understand, uh, help us to see it in its fullness, help us to walk in the light of it. Uh, Father, as we, as we think about it this morning, as we meditate upon it, that you would bless our thoughts, um, that you would help us to uh, indeed understand and not just understand, but uh, apply these things, Father, unto our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, as we think about this term, kindly affectioned, we, we, can, we can kind of point to some things that we, we all know something uh, about, hopefully. I mean, I know that, that some families are dysfunctional, and, and this is not a reality um, in every place and every family, but there, there is usually an affectionate bond that exists, you know, between siblings. Um, I've seen it displayed, you know, in, in my own children's, uh, lives and, and I have some friends that have twins and maybe it's even more pronounced, you know, there because you have two that, that shared the same womb, you know, together and, and they've, they've grown up with one another so closely and learned everything at the same time um, that it's a little bit of a different situation than, say, these two that there's, you know, two years apart between. But um, the affection that they share for one another is, is really a, a natural affection. Um, you know, it's, it's something that exists, 
you know, naturally between, typically, I'm, I know there are dysfunctional situations, but typically exists naturally, you know, between uh, siblings. I know with, with my next brother, I could pick on him uh, mercilessly, but somebody else do it, you know, then we have a problem, and I'm going to come to his defense and to his aid. Um, but um, we could speak in the same way about the natural affection that there is between a bond between a mother and a child. You know, there's some, there's some natural affection, you know, that exists there between. The, the bond is strong between them. Um, you know, the, the mother has carried the child for, for those many months. And, and um, you know, you think about as far as, as, far as uh, uh, things being born, um, a, a human child is about one of the most helpless things uh, that, that, there, that there are. I mean, you look in the animal kingdom, and, and most things that are born, they start to walk and run, you know, right away. Not us. Um, and so there's that bond, you know, that, that, that mothers cared for, you know, a, a, a helpless uh, babe, you know. Um, so the bond between them, you know, is, is uh, strong, caring for the child and its weakness and its helplessness uh, of infancy. Um, so there's, there's, like I said, I know that we see some, some horrible, ugly things where mothers throw their children into dumpsters and things, but, but uh, that's abnormal. Um, that's a result of, of sin, you know, certainly we understand that, but, um, you know, that we, we do see a natural relationship, a natural affection, a natural bond, a natural, uh, affinity, a natural kindness that exists, you know, in trying to use an illustration, you know, between family members, it's, it's, you're up here visiting, you know, your sisters, you know, so, you know, there's, there's a, there's a bond there. There's, there's an affinity. There's an affection. Um, and we're being told here to be kindly affectioned. And again, remember, we're talking about the body of Christ. Be kindly affectioned one to another. Um, and so as, as, I'm, as I'm thinking about these things and presenting these things to you, I'm, I'm bringing about an illustration of a natural bond and a natural affection and a natural affinity that we have for one another, you know, just as family, you know, is concerned. Um, that, that helps us to kind of understand a little bit. Um, I think the other illustration, you know, we, we've talked about before with the body. If, if the body is hurt, you know, the rest of the body comes to its, its aid. Um, you know, Andrew, we used the illustration. Um, you know, he cut his hand not long ago with a razor knife. I mean, just right through, immediately draws it, you know, to his body. And the rest of the body's tending to, the rest of the body's caring for, you know, that. Uh, so, you know, in both of those things, you know, we can kind of see an illustration, you know, of a care, a concern, an affection that there is, you know, for one another uh, as we seek to try to make an application of it, you know, to, to the church. Um, so, but when we see that in the family, it's not, it's not a pretended love. I mean, there's, there's some true concern, you know, for uh, one another. Um, I was thinking about, you remember the story in 1 Kings chapter 3, we're talking about a mother and a child, right? And you remember the two women that came before Solomon because one had, had rolled over on her child during the night and suffocated it, and she took her dead child to the other woman's bed and, and took her living child and exchanged her dead for the living. And when the other mother wakes up in the morning, she, she knows. She realizes this is not my child. She's stolen my child. So this matter comes, you know, before the king. And you talk about a paternity test uh, because the king says what? Bring me a sword. 
bring me a sword and divide the child in two and give one half to this one and one half to that one. And the one whose child it was says, says no, king, let, 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 let the child live. Let, let her keep the child. Um, you know, her affection for that child was so great that she would give that child up in order that the child may live. And, of course, the other mother says, no, go ahead and cut it in half. You know why? Because it wasn't her child. And so the king says, this mother is the mother of that, of that child. But the point is that there's an affection that we, we see there that the child might live, kind of like with Moses. You know, you see his mother put him in a, a basket, you know, and, and sets him adrift um, that he might live. You know, there's, there's an affection there's, there was, that exists there. Um, it wasn't coerced. It wasn't false. Um, you know, it was real. Uh, it wasn't obligation. Um, you know, I mean, that's a pretty sad sort of love between a mother and child that's one just out of obligation, right? Uh, well, I've had this child. I've got to take care of it, you know. No. I mean, there's a natural affection, you know, that, that ought to exist there, a real and genuine affection that ought to exist there. You know, where you hear those kind of stories where kids grow up in, 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 in very difficult uh, circumstances and they say, my mom worked 15 jobs to make sure that we had food, you know, and, and clothes. Um, so, you know, we see that sort of uh, an affection between a natural family but we're talking about something here that's beyond that. We're talking about something here that's, that's supernatural. Um, we're talking about we were born into a natural family. We're talking about now we're talking about us as, as believers being born into the kingdom of God. We're talking about being born into the family of God. We're talking about being born into the body of Christ. Um, and so you know, our affection for one another I mean, if we want to try to look somewhere and try to find, you know, some sort of a, a, a semblance, uh, well, it, it ought to be at least, you know, that which we have for our own family uh, because we are family, you know, as, as believers. We are the family of God. Um, you know, I, I have a better relationship with some people that are, that are believers in Christ than I have with my own family members. Um, the same blood courses, you know, through our veins, uh, but they don't share. I mean, we share that, but they don't share the life that I have in Christ. You know, they don't, they don't have that life. Um, it's my desire that they do. It's my prayer that they do. But um, so this, this love that we're talking about here, being kindly affectioned, it's, it's, it's not one that's merely born of association, uh, we can go back to the thing that I said before about, well, I've had this child, I guess I've got to care for it. You know, you know it's, it's, uh, I'm a Christian now, I guess I've got to love other believers. You know, no, there's, there's a genuine, there's a real affection. You know, H- Hebrews talks in this way, it says, let brotherly love continue. Let it flourish. And let it grow. Um, you know, let it, let it increase. Um, I, I, that's, that's what we hear the, the, the writer there in Hebrews, you know, saying unto us, it, it exists, you know, let it continue. So it, it already exists knowing that it says, let it continue. So, you know, let it continue, let it continue to grow, let it continue to blossom, let it continue to flourish. Um, you know, be careful to tend to it, um, you know, help it to grow, um, you know, love one another. You know, this is, this, the Lord says, this is a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. Um, we're commanded to. But, you know, in that command, again, 
there's, it's not this obligation, well, I guess I've got to love my brother or sister in Christ. No, we're free to obey. Uh, our hearts have been changed. You know, we have a new heart. We are such, you know, that we're free to obey, you know, that command. We, we desire to obey that command. We, we, we long to do the thing that the Lord's called us, you know, to do. Um, just as that natural affection and affinity exists within, you know, a family unit, you know, here there's this, this, this love that's been shed abroad in our hearts that we talked a little bit about, um, you know, last week. It's been shed abroad in our hearts. This, this is this supernatural love, you know, that God has given. You know, the type of love that we talked about when we were saying let love be without dissimulation or hypocrisy, you know, we were talking about that love being agape love. We were talking about that love being born from above, that love being of God, that kind of love that shows itself loving regardless of its recipient or, or what that love's focused upon because it may not return that love. Uh, you think about where we were, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. You know, so we see that love being shown for us while we were yet sinners, while we were at enmity with God, you know, while we were suppressing the truth of God. You know, while we didn't want to hear, you know, those, while we're yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. This, this love showing itself in such a, you know, you think about grace. I mean, that is, that is, I mean, we were not, you know, the, 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 the sort of objects that you would expect such love to be shown unto. Um, but you think about grace, I mean, the unmerited favor, you know, that God has shown unto us. We didn't do anything to deserve it. Um, you know, so this is the kind of love that we're, that we're talking about here that, that, that in a sense is owed, but again, we're free to show. Uh, we, 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 it's, it's, not, it's not a bondage to show. It's not grievous to show it. It's, 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 it, it really causes us to rejoice to be able, you know, to show it. So... Um, this is this is something of what Paul is saying to us when he says, "Be kindly affectioned one toward another." Um, like we said, Hebrews thirteen one says, "Let brotherly love continue." It, it, it implies that it exists, but let it continue. Uh, there are things that would seek to 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 stifle it. There are things that would would seek to put it out. I mean, Satan would certainly love you know to cause division you know, in the midst of, of, of a body so that that love did not continue. Uh, but, you know, as we didn't read um, that far this morning, we have in, in, uh, in um, previous uh, messages, but if it's possible, verse 18 says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. So, you know, I want to borrow from that in this thought of love, and, and thinking about it from the standpoint of sometimes the object is not always loving in return, you know. So as much as possible with us, that we show that love towards one another. Uh, regardless whether there's a return, but we're showing the love that God's called us to show, you know, to one another. Um, you know, when you, when you get into, you know, that sort of thought about the object of our love may not be as loving in return to us, and that could be for a multitude of reasons. I mean, you think about some people go through some really difficult things, um, and, it's, and, it's, 
and, 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 and they're, they're, they're in need of great encouragement. It seems like you're just having to pick them up, you know, over and over and over again. You know, they just continue to, 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 to fall down into the state of despair and the state of depression, and, and they, they are in need. And that can be tiring to have to continue to help somebody up over and over and over and over again. And, you know, Satan would, would certainly, you know, come and tempt and say, well, you know, you've done enough. You know, how, how many times, Lord, shall I forgive my brother? Seventy times seven, you know. So, you know, so we, and that's not, you know, we're not saying that, okay, you did that many times, that's enough. You know, what we are saying is, what the Lord's saying unto us is, don't grow weary in well-doing. Continue, continue, continue. Uh, strengthen, you know, the, the, the weak knees. Uh, you know, strengthen the feeble hands. Uh, you know, think about it that were you. You know, help them as you would want to be, you know, helped. Um, so I, I think in, in, in thinking in those terms, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 certainly finds, um, you know, some traction, you know, here for us. Turn over there to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 13, I know you're all familiar, you know, with that, that passage uh, of Scripture. We typically think of it as the great chapter, you know, on love. But as we, as we read this, think about it in terms of having to help that person that's in need over and over again. Maybe it's financial help. You know, maybe, maybe it's, it's just encouragement um, you know, and, and going and putting a, you know, an, an arm around somebody and, and, and shouldering a, a burden with them. You know, maybe it's time. You know, there are all sorts of resources that we have to, to be able to help people um, that are in need. And when we think about it, you know, it's, it's what's, what's showing that. What's, what, what's showing there is love, you know. Um, so, and we know that in the King James, you know, it uses the word charity, but the word there is, is love, uh, but I tell you, I, I can't, I can't not say this. I mean, think about the word charity, um, and think about what we've been talking about—about about love being shown to an object that's not necessarily, you know, receptive. Maybe you know, to that love, not 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 appreciative of that love, perhaps. Um, but you, you think about you know, true charity. I mean, if you give something to somebody, um, you know, they're. They, they may not be, you know, an, an object worthy of whatever the gift, you know, may be. It's charity, um, you know. So, so here, as we, as we look at this in um, 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, Though I speak with the tongue, tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, I become as a sounding brass or a tinkling uh, cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so as that I could remove mountains and have not love or charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me uh, nothing. But I want to get to, I read that because I know you're familiar with that part of it um, without just jumping right into verse number four. But, but look, look, at, look at the characteristics of this love that we're talking about. Look at the characteristics of it. In, in verse number four, it says that this love suffers long. Can, can you see that in the illustration about the person that you're having to help over and over and over and over again, um, showing this love over and over and over? This love suffers long. 
Um, this love is, is, is patient. This love is, is kind. It suffers long with, with its object. It, 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 it envieth not, it says. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't puff itself up or, or, or vaunt itself and, and uh, boast. Um, verse 5 says it doesn't behave itself unseemly. It, it doesn't seek its own. Isn't that, isn't that a, a wonderful thought about this love that we're talking about? It does not seek its own. And the object here is not me. The object here is you. You know, it doesn't seek its own. It's not easily provoked. Uh, and, and boy, we can easily get under condemnation reading some of these things, can't we? Um, it thinketh no evil. It rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Uh, you know, this, this suffering long and getting into verse number seven just kind of continues, draws out this thought a little more. It bears all things. What kind of love is going to bear all things? You know, my love can grow short, not be able to bear all things. But the love that God gives, the strength that God gives to love, bears all things, believeth all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I mean, look at verse number 8. It never fails. Has your love ever failed? Sure. Do you desire your love not to fail? Do you desire your love, desire your love to be like this love here? Sure. Um, sure we do. Love never faileth, but whether there are, uh, be prophecies, they shall fail. Tongues, they shall cease. Knowledge shall vanish away. We know in part, prophesy in part, but that which is, when that which is perfect is come, verse number 10, that which is in part shall be done away. So this, this kind of love puts the best construction on others' actions that it possibly can. It lovingly considers one another. Um, I mean, just look at that list. Think about that list. I mean, the suffering, the bearing, the enduring, the not failing. Um, you know, this is, this is characteristic you know, of the love that God has called us unto, you know, with, with one another. Uh, we fail more oftentimes than we'd like to admit. Uh, but we could say this, this love that, that we have known something about, this love that has been shed abroad in our hearts, this love has never failed us. God's love has never failed us. So there's, there's the true character that we see there of that love that we are to contend for, that we are to strive for, that we are to aim for, that we are to, that's our goal, that's what we are to sh- be shooting for. Um, this love that we are called to show one towards another um, it's a love that's dependent upon the one that's called us, you know, unto his glory and unto his virtue. Um, we're, we're looking for strength to love in this way from, from him. Lord, help me to love this way. Lord, help me to love in a way that glorifies you. Lord, help me to, way, uh, to love in a way that honors you, uh, that you would be pleased, you know, with. Um, you know, our, our children... You know, they're, 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 the, my children here, the same blood that flows through my veins flows, you know, through theirs. Uh, and that's a natural bond that exists. But here we're talking about the church, and we're talking about the blood of Christ. Um, you know, there's, there's a bond there too, isn't there? 
Uh, he who loved us and gave himself uh, for us. Um, and, and where does that, does that find you know, some, some, some bearing you know, in, in our text this morning is, is really look back there at, um, at Romans chapter number 12. Look what it says after be kindly affectioned one to, to another with brotherly love. It says in honor preferring one another. In honor preferring one another. There's a valuation that, that exists there in honor preferring one another. There's a, I see you as, there, there's a value fixed upon you because you were bought with the precious blood of Christ. There's an object, you know, for my love, you know, towards you. You were bought with the precious blood of Christ. You are part of the body of Christ. Um, you know, we are, are one, you know, in that sense. So, so um, you know, when I, when I think about that, I think about places like Mark chapter 10, you know, where the, the Lord tells uh, the disciples that no man has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels, but that he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. The point there being this family that we've been born into you know, my, my family, my natural family, you know, we talk about things being dysfunctional. My natural family, things could get to the point where my family says, because of my faith in Christ, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. If that happened, you know, then there's another family that, that is going to take me up. You know, another family who, who loves the same Lord that I love, who, 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 who serves the same God that I serve. Um, you want to think about houses and lands? There's lots of houses that would take me in. Lots of brethren that I know that if, if things, you know, got, got uh, to the point that that was necessary, that, that there's, there's lots of houses, you know, that would, would take me in. Um, I have lots of sisters in Christ, lots of brothers in Christ. Um, so we could be ostracized by our natural family, but gain a greater one. Gain a greater one. Uh, we've been born again into a new family. We're not just part of some organization. You know, when we started this and talking about the body, you know, we were talking about it from that, from that aspect, that we're not part of an organization. We're part of an organism, a living organism, the church. That's what we're part of. Uh, so it's deeper uh, than an organization, and we've been called to a deeper love for one another than some superficial, um, you know, how you doing? How are you today? You know, something deeper than that we've been called unto. Um, and we can't produce that in ourselves. I can't make myself love somebody. Uh, but the love that has been shed abroad in my heart because of what God has done within me by making me his own and me being born into his kingdom and, and into the family of God, that love exists. And so we go back on our thoughts to Hebrews 13, 1. Let this love continue. We know we don't do it perfectly, but we do desire to do so. Um, can we make it difficult for people to love us? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can make it difficult for people to love us. Um, 
Are there going to be those who are more difficult to love than others? Yes. Yeah, people are kind of at different places in their life. You know, everybody's not where you are. Um, people need help. Uh, where does that kind of love come from? It comes from above. It comes from above. It comes from God, the author and finisher of our faith. It's called grace. We show grace unto one another. Um, brotherly love and honor preferring one another, prizing one another. Uh, I mean, God gave his only begotten son for your brother or sister in Christ. Uh, do you not prize them, you know, as he does? Um, who's going to do unto others as they would have them do unto them except the believer? You know, that's what we're called unto, right? Doing unto one another as we would have the other do unto us. Who's going to do that except the person who has this love, you know, shed abroad in their hearts and honor preferring one another? Now, again, that word honor there means it's, it's really to prize. You honor something, you kind of treasure it. Um, you prize it. Um, so, and, 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 and that goes for... I mean, I, I hate to even you know, use this, this term in one sense, but Scripture uses it. Um, you know, the, the least among us. You know, Paul, you want know, to talk about the least among us. You know, Paul would have said of himself, I'm the least because I persecuted the church. You know, now we look at Scripture and see all the books, you know, of the Bible that have been, that were, you know, by Paul's pen um, and, and what we have gained and what we've learned you know, through those letters that, that uh, you know, the Spirit of God moved Paul to write, you know, we regard him as a great, you know, apostle. Uh, but yet he himself considered himself least. He was the chief, you know, of sinners, he said. Um, and so we go back to not thinking of ourselves, uh, you know, more highly than we ought to think, but, you know, prizing one another. Uh, caring for one another, respecting one another, that there be no schisms, no divisions, that what God has highly valued, we not lightly esteem. That we not lightly esteem. So I mentioned to you about William Cowper, right? Uh, or Cooper, if you're, you know, pronounce it in the English um, sense. But um, you know he was a hymn writer already because we sang a hymn, right? And I don't have time to read all of this, but um, he was born back in the 1700s. He was born kind of a well-to-do, you know, family. His mother died when he was six years old. Difficult thing that would be for your mother to die at six years old. Um, By way of reference in mentioning John Newton, John Newton's mother died when he was six years old. And and God would intertwine these two lives together. but from the age of 10 until he was 17, he was sent off to boarding school. And if you could imagine being six years old and losing your mother and, and your father, the next thing you know, just shipping you off to you know, boarding school, it was uh, a difficult thing you know, for him. Um, when he finished his, his, um, his formative school years, he was, he was sent to apprentice to a solicitor, which would be like a lawyer, um, in view of practicing law, that's what his father, you know, would have for him. And um, it came to the point that when he was 32 years old, he was, he was set to be made the clerk of journals in Parliament. Now, that was a prestigious 
position and title to, for any man to obtain, and, and, and most would have prized it, but not William Cooper. Um, he had a mental break- breakdown at the very thought of being put into such a uh, position and um, tried three times to commit suicide before he was put into an asylum. Um, you know, we talked this morning about how that God graciously provides and cares for us. This asylum that he's put into and the doctor that he has is, is, is a Christian. And he's, he's a lover of God and of the gospel. And he loved William uh, Cooper and would continually hold out the hope of Christ before him just over and over and over again. You know, through all the guilt he felt over trying to commit suicide and all the things that um, had happened, you know, in his life. Uh, six months into his stay, Cowper found a Bible laying on a bench. Uh, that wasn't by accident either, either was it? Um, and the part that he read was the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Um, and he saw there so much of, of Christ's benevolence and mercy and goodness and sympathy towards uh, miserable men that um, he, 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 came, he came to Christ. Um, and so he continues in this condition, to make a long story short, uh, he continues in this condition of despair and depression and attempted suicide, you know, even. Um, and along the way, he meets with um, John Newton, and John becomes his pastor. Uh, for a time, and it was a con- it was that sort of relationship that I was trying to describe earlier between them that that Newton was continually just over and over and over again having to pick up William and encourage him just day after day after day and you know that could be draining that could be very draining uh, it 's one thing for that to be a family member. That, that you're seeking to do that for. But here's someone, you know, this, this is not a family member, but it is a brother in Christ. And you know, what, what causes this man to continue to show such love and concern and affection and care, you know, for someone, you know, who is not family, you know, natural family? It's because, you know, of the love that's been shed abroad in his heart, you know, for this man. Um, it's kind of like we, we, we mentioned not long ago, Sundar Singh, and him seeing that, that man, you know, in the blinding snow, he could see a, a figure down there and tries to, to convince someone, you know, that's with him, a traveling companion, to help him to save that man. The man, the man that's with him says, no, if we try to save him, we're going to share his fate and we're all going to die. But Sundar can't leave that man there. Um, and so he climbs down, puts him on his own back, covers him with his own cloak, and, and pulls himself back up you know, to the path and, and brings him into the city only to find the man that wouldn't help him frozen to death just yards from where he would have found warmth and food. Um, but uh, the body of the other man on, on Sundar's back was what, you remember, I told you it kept him warm. Uh, and what he realized later was the reason why he had survived. Uh, you know, it was because of that shared body heat between them um, in those terrible conditions. But um, uh, 
you know, here we have a similar situation. It's like, you know, here's William, you know, Cooper down there and, and John Newton's having to go down and put him upon his back and pull him out and, and, and drag him along, you know, as it were, you know, with him um, for many a day. Um, and uh, they, they collaborated on a lot of, you know, hymns together. Um, and there's, there's, there's words, if you'll look up in the hymn books, if you'll look up or, you know, now you can go on the Internet and, and put in his name, um, you know, you can see the hymns that he wrote. And you read some of the things that he wrote in there. They're deep. And you can tell this person knows God, and yet he suffered so. Uh, but, you know, it, it was also, I mean, here we are all these years later. This happened in the 1700s. Here we are all these years later, and here it's an illustration, you know, to us, you know, of the type of love that we've been called unto, uh, show, you know, unto uh, one another. So, um, you know, it, it's 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 not always going to be easy. You know, it's it's going to be difficult uh, at times, and and we're going to need to to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I've got to go to William Cooper's house again. Uh, he's tried to commit suicide again, and I'm I'm tired, um, and and I need strength. Uh, I, I I need words. I need something to be able to to tell him to encourage him. Um, Lord, help me to be able to be a help to this man. He's he's in such a, a miserable, uh, you know, state. You know, help me to be able to show the kind of compassion and care and concern that you called me to and that you have shown unto me. Help me to show the love to him that you've shown to me. Um, so, if if um, Newton had not shown such love, care, compassion unto uh, Cooper, um, we 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 would likely not have that hymn that we sing. There is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. I mean, you could, you hear him using those words, their guilty stains. I mean, you can you can maybe hear you know in their attempted suicide after attempted suicide after attempted suicide, uh, and the guilt that no doubt must have accompanied uh, those attempts that were unsuccessful because God would not permit uh, the man to kill himself. So. Uh, what a wonderful uh, display, in a sense. And I, I wish I could read all of the account, you know, to you. Uh, but um, there, there is, if you, I don't know if you know the name John Piper. Is that a familiar name? So if you'll, if you'll go to uh, Desiring God is, is, is the organization there. But, but there, at the meetings they would have there at Bethlehem, um, Piper would normally take the life of somebody, and for his part, I mean, there were a lot of preachers that were invited to speak, but for his part, he would speak on the life of a person, and there, there are messages out there, you know, on different people, but one of them is William Cooper. If you would find it and listen to it, it would be a tremendous, you know, blessing, you know, unto you, but let me return, you know, to a passage in Scripture to help us here, too. Uh, Matthew 25, if you'll turn to Matthew, the 25th chapter. Matthew chapter 25. And look in verse number 31. 
Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. You want some encouragement to love one another? <laughs> and in that we've done it unto one another, we've done it unto him. This love that we show one another is a love that we show unto him. As you have done it unto them, you've done it unto me. John thirteen thirty five. I'll just read this last verse in, in closing. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Like we said, it's not a love that can be manufactured. It's a love that is given. You want to talk about gifts? You know, here's a gift that is given unto us to love one another. Amen. Amen.